Hi, this is Father Neil here, and welcome to the February 12th edition of the podcast, Catechism with Father Neil. Today, we're looking at numbers 282 to 289 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. 1. Catechesis on Creation. Paragraph 282. Catechesis on Creation as is of major importance. It concerns the very foundations of human and Christian life. For it makes explicit the response of the Christian faith to the basic question that men of all times have asked themselves. Where do we come from? Where are we going? What is our origin? What is our end? Where does everything that exists come from? And where is it going? The two questions, the first about the origin and the second about the end, are inseparable. They are decisive for the meaning and orientation of our life and actions. 283. The question about the origins of the world and of man has been the object of many scientific studies, which have splendidly enriched our knowledge of the age and dimensions of the cosmos, the development of life forms and the appearance of man. These discoveries invite us to to even greater admiration for the greatness of the Creator, prompting us to give him thanks for all his works and for the understanding and wisdom he gives to scholars and researchers. With Solomon they can say, It is he who gave me unerring knowledge of what exists, to know the structure of the world and the activity of the elements. For wisdom, the fashioner of all things, taught me. Paragraph 284. The great interest accorded to these studies is strongly stimulated by the question of another order, which goes beyond the proper domain of the natural sciences. It is not only a question of knowing when and how the universe arose physically or when man appeared, but rather of discovering the meaning of such an origin. Is the universe governed by chance? By blind faith? By anonymous necessity? Or by a transcendent, intelligent and good being called God? And if the world does come from God's wisdom and goodness, why is there evil? Where does it come from? Who is responsible for it? Is there any liberation from it? Paragraph 285. Since the beginning, the Christian faith has been challenged by responses to the question of origins that differ from its own. Ancient religions and cultures produce many myths concerning the origins. Some philosophers have said that everything is God, that the world is God, or that the development of the world is the development of God pantheism. Others have said that the world is a necessary emanation arising from God and returning to him. Still others have affirmed the existence of two eternal principles, good and evil, light and darkness, locked in permanent conflict, dualism, manichaeism. According to some of these conceptions, the world, at least the physical world, is evil, the product of a fall, and thus to be rejected or left behind, Gnosticism. Some admit that the world was made by God, but as by a watchmaker, who, 
once he had made a watch, abandons it to itself, deism. Finally, others reject any transcendent origin for the world, but see it merely, see it as merely the interplay of matter that has always existed, materialism. All these attempts bear witness to the permanence and universality of the question of origins. This inquiry is distinctively human. 286. Human intelligence is surely already capable of finding a response to the question of origins. The existence of God the Creator can be known with certainty through his works, by the light of human reason. Even if this knowledge is often obscured and disfigured by error, this is why faith comes to confirm and enlighten reason in the correct understanding of this truth. By faith we understand that the world was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was made out of things which do not appear. Number 287. The truth about creation is so important for all of human life that God, in his tenderness, wanted to reveal to his people everything that is salutary to know on the subject. Beyond the natural knowledge that every man can have of the Creator, God progressively revealed to Israel the mystery of creation. He who chose the patriarchs, who brought Israel out of Egypt, and who by choosing Israel created and formed it, this same God reveals himself as the one to whom belong all the peoples of the earth and the whole earth itself. He is the one who alone made heaven and earth. Paragraph 288. Thus the revelation of creation is inseparable from the revelation and forging of the covenant of the one God with his people. Creation is revealed as the first step towards this covenant, the first and universal witness to God's all-powerful love. And so the truth of creation is also expressed with growing vigour in the message of the prophets, the prayer of the Psalms and the liturgy, and in the wisdom sayings of the chosen people. Among all the scriptural texts about creation, the first three chapters of Genesis occupy a unique place. From a literary standpoint, these texts may have had diverse sources. The inspired authors have placed them at the beginning of the scripture to express in their solemn language the truths of creation, its origins and its end in God, its order and goodness, the vocation of man, and finally the drama of sin and the hope of salvation, read in the light of Christ, within the unity of sacred scripture, and in the living tradition of the church, these texts remain the principal source for catechesis on the mysteries of the beginning, creation, fall, and promise of salvation. So very good. We continue this section on, um, on creation, looking at the creation. And uh, here it's very interesting. I mean, obviously, creation is something that has always interested people. I mean, the catechism says that this is something that is distinctively human. It's part of what makes us human, is to wonder about our world. Where does it come from? How is it here? And that from the dawn of creation, people have tried to explain it. There have been different explanations, 
to this day. There are many explanations. And I suppose the first thing to say is that the church supports the scientific inquiry. The Catholic Church has nothing to fear from science. That science is something good. Science is something that was made by God as well. And that God made the world and he made it to make sense. This is why things make sense. There are laws that are always the same. Two plus two is always four. It's never five. That in theology, things, like in science, things make sense. And this is uh, why the church allows science. The problem is sometimes science treats itself with too much importance and makes claims that it cannot prove. Science needs to be conducted with a certain amount of humility. And uh, then the church goes on to, or sorry, the catechism, excuse me, goes on to speak about the different types of uh, quests. And here it's quite interesting. It mixes in number 285. It mixes the philosophical, the religious, and the scientific attempts that were done before Christianity, before Judaism. And it uh, shows them all there, uh, that were there, including the ones that came after Christianity as well. And these different ideas that come, that God is everything, that everything is coming from God, that, you know, everything is kind of emanating from God, is part of God, growing out of God in a sense. This is one mistaken view. Another one is that there's a duality. A lot of people still believe that, that there's good and evil, and this kind of yin-yang, this uh, good and evil, this light and darkness, are equal forces battling in the world. And this, again, is not Christian because Christian, the Christian belief is that there is only good and that good has been triumphant. We'll see about the origin of evil later on. But that evil, we can say here, is always subservient to good. There may be a battle going on in the world between light and darkness, but the light has already triumphed. The dragon from the book of Revelation may be trying to devour the child being born of the woman, as it is born, but the child is victorious. St. Michael and his angels are victorious over the powers of, of Satan, over the powers of hell. Then the other um, things that is this Gnosticism idea that the world, is, that matter is evil. Sometimes people still have this, that only the spirit is what is important. Only my soul is what is important. The body isn't important. This world is important. Everything here is impure. Again, Christianity doesn't agree with this. Catholicism says that, no, this world is sacred. This world is important. This world is something beautiful that God has made and is important because of this. And this world has a future. And then finally, this materialism, which is this, um, this idea that there's just matter. What you see is what you get. There is no soul. That everything is just made of stuff that somehow or other has always been there. And there is no God and everything is by chance. And this idea, this horrible idea today, that the world is just chance, everything is by colliding atoms, and that that's all that uh, the world is made of. And this, uh, this drab view of many people of our generation that takes away wonder, life without wonder, life without transcendence, life without God, is miserable. That's why the Catechism affirms that God is the Creator that he is the one who created. And it says also, which is quite interesting, that the Catholic vision, this might be somewhat different to Protestantism, but the Catholic understanding is that by the power of our mind, 
by the power of our reason alone, we can come to the existence of God. That if we think about creation, if we think about the world in a neutral way, we can come to believe that there must be a good God who created it. Again, sometimes our judgments are clouded. Sometimes our thinking is clouded by sin, is clouded by confusion. But that even without the revelation of the New Testament, even without Christ, that it is possible to arrive at this conclusion. And then, uh, again, so that I'm, I'm afraid, if I'm not careful, I'm going to end up giving one or two hours of my lectures on Christian anthropology. But anyway, just to finish up with this uh, last bit that we read, this last um, 289, saying about this importance of Genesis 1 to 3. Christianity has always upheld the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1 to 3, as being true. Today we might nuance it slightly and say that perhaps not everything in Genesis is true from a scientific sense, although there's far from a consensus among scientists as to the origins of the universe, but to say that the there are ultimate truths in these first three chapters of Genesis. That God created the world, that he did so out of love, that he did so out of order, that, sorry, not out of order, he did so in order, using order, and that, um, and that he continues to be active in the world. This is one of the things that rejected before, this watchmaker, clockmaker, vision of God that winds up the world and sets it on its merry way, not worried about it anymore. No, God creates the world and he keeps it, he upholds its existence. That this is uh, an important part of our faith, to see that God is at the root of everything. Once again, to see he's at the root of everything and the catechism in continuance with in continuity with the with the Christian teaching, continues to say that Genesis 1 to 3 is vitally important. It's one of the most important texts in the Bible to understand where our world comes from. And we need to understand where our world comes from. We need to understand where we come from to know where we're going. So in any way, I'd better uh, finish here. So um, tomorrow we'll continue with Numbers 290, to 292. God bless.